Joining me today is Scott Milliner of IntroSnap. Now, this is a super interesting concept. IntroSnap helps business buyers and decision makers get connected to solutions, technology solutions or, or other solutions, and they get to donate to the charity of their choice in, in exchange for putting their information out there for prospecting and meeting setting. I think it's a really cool concept. Uh, I love the model. Talking to Scott was awesome. He has been doing sales, uh, specifically technology sales for a really long time. And he and I got into a lot of detail around what reps can do to build clout within their own organizations, build good habits that help with long-term success. And then just some of the little things that reps can be doing to make sure that they're hitting their targets and making money. So with that, welcome Scott to the show. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in technology sales? You know, I've been uh, like a tech geek since I can remember. I, I talked my dad into buying me a computer when I was uh, like uh, 12. And this is at a time when it was not common to have computers all over the place. Uh, and um, not everybody had one, especially, you know, preteens. And thank right. God he, he went ahead and bought me one because I built a database app. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of computer? Yeah, I didn't kick in with video games. I'm like, Dad, look, I built a database app. He's like, what on earth is a database app? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what kind of device was it? Was it like a Commodore or uh, it was, you know, like a Tandy or something? Yeah, Osborne. Osborne okay. computer. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah, it had a green screen. Uh, it was all of 40 characters by 40 characters. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Oh yeah. What, what kind of languages I'm trying to think what, so I've done a little bit of sort of, and I hate to say it this way, but historic, uh, you know, history lessons on kind of the history of personal computing, mostly from reading books and biographies of, of, you know, some of the greats. Uh, but what kind of, what kind of programming language would have been on a machine like that? Um, I was using, I was using Fortran. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Basic Fortran. And then the database itself had its own, you know, database language. That's awesome. So, so do you have an engineering background then or? No, no, no. I just, uh, just geeking out, just geeking out. And then, awesome. uh, yeah. So then, um, one day my dad found me opening the motherboard and soldering onto it. And he's like, you know how much that thing costs? I'm like, dad, I got to add Ram. So <laughs> <laughs> literally I soldered it on. So, you know, just love of tech. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I grew up in New York and the Silicon Valley was always beckoning over the Silicon Valley, uh, joined a startup. And then, um, you know, I love people and I love the interactions and making sales and building the business. And so it just became like natural uh, uh, for me to just, just, just be in sales and then stayed there and then into the SaaS world, you know, um, most recently at a, you know, prior to intro snap, I was running sales at a, at a, fast-growing uh, CDP company called uh, Blue Shift, doing very well. Mm -hmm. And then I was running sales at a web testing company called Functionize. And I had three years at Oracle Marketing Cloud. Yeah. Uh, so, and then in social part of that. So more, more recently, a lot of uh, SaaS sales expertise here in this, here in San Francisco. So one of the questions I get a lot from my audience is, should I go work for Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, Dell, uh, or should I go work for this eight-person startup that's recruiting me through LinkedIn? Uh, I know it's obviously a matter of preference yeah. and experience and passion and things like that. But do, you know, do you have a uh, you know do you have a preference between big companies, 
uh, and smaller startup companies, especially for younger professionals who are maybe, you know, less than five years in their role or less than five years in the business. Well, what's your take on that? If that company is going to turn out to be Stripe or Snowflake or Microsoft or Google, go sure. there, <laughs> go yeah. to the startup. Problem is hard to tell early on. Uh, mm -hmm. So basically I would say it is great for a salesperson who wants to be in SaaS, which is most of the market or services just to get into a big brand someplace early to mid career um, the, 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 the Oracle or Microsoft or Google or SAP or, you know, Adobe or, you know, Salesforce um, plus, you know, 20 others, a uh, bunch of reasons, best mm -hmm. practices, like these organizations um, are typically one of the reasons they're successful is because they're very well run. They mm -hmm. train, they have systems, they have teams, they have processes, they have incredible reach and you learn a ton and you work with thousands of people, literally. Uh, and then you will, if you work hard, you will learn and you'll build a great network of people because then a year or two into that or three years, all of those people are probably gonna end up somewhere else mm -hmm. and your network is incredible and you've yeah. learned. And then the smaller company is a good place to be because then you can make maybe more of an impact, maybe move up to a, uh, to a, a leadership role or stay in an AE role or BDR, that's all fine too. But mm. smaller companies are always hungry for talent from the big brands. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't, they're like, oh gosh, we don't know. You've came from Oracle Marketing Cloud. And this is literally what happened to me Oracle Marketing Cloud. And I had a really good run there. I crushed it. I was, you know, was number one at Oracle Marketing Cloud for a couple of years and blah, blah, blah. So that all, you know, you know. The, the senior VPs will vouch for me. That all just helps enormously as well. Oh, you, did, you, you went to Oracle and you did well. Please come teach us how to do enterprise sales, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, because we are growing and we have no idea. And so that pedigree goes a long way. That's something I've heard too. So, and you know, a lot of the listeners know my background pretty well, but I, my first sales job right out of college was at Gannett. So media company, not software. Uh, but for all the same fortune 300 company, massive team, tons of training, tons of, uh, you know, mentoring and that being my first role, I still keep in touch with a handful of the, the folks I worked with there. Uh, many of them have moved from the media sales business into the technology sales business. So that was, you know, again, my first foray into the business. And then from there, uh, you know, some mid-sized companies and then down to, you know, at one point I was at an eight person startup in Austin, Texas. And so I've kind of done all of the, you know, pretty much a little bit of everything. And then I, you know, I think for the rest of my career, I'll probably just sort of phase back and forth between small startups and big companies, you know, spend a couple of years at the big ones, get that formal training and process and, you know, learn some of the at scale type activities, and then, you know, go and take those and apply those to a company that's trying to still, you know, do the grassroots thing and, and reach that escape velocity. So, uh, and I, you know, from a passion standpoint, I'm very passionate about the small ones. I like the grassroots side of things. Um, but, but a trend that I've heard or a, a comment that's been made about, about me is, well, you've seen this at scale at XYZ big company now bring those, those skills to, to our team and show us how we can do it here too. So, yeah. uh, that resonates a lot. I think that's really good advice to, to, you know, try to find a mix of them. Uh, but especially early on or er towards the, the larger companies that have a lot of process, 
a lot of training resources. It's a way to, to beef up your network really quickly versus, you know, starting your career at a 10 or a 12 person startup where you're really only going to network with those 10 or 12 people. And if that startup doesn't work out, then you're going to be back to square one, having to, to keep building the network stronger. So uh, love right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really valuable for me. So that's a, I think it's definitely something any budding sales exec would want to do. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now at, at IntroSnap. I'm curious. Yeah, sure. Uh, IntroSnap has uh, been super fun. And on the topic of going from big to small, you know, uh, the one of the great ways to do that is to go and, and well, in this case, you know, we're, we're launching IntroSnap from scratch, founding it, but is to go with, go solve a problem that you saw already. And so it's really built into your knowledge base. You bring this understanding and desire of the problem in a, so just let's, I, in my recent roles running sales orgs and interacting with, you know, with, with marketing and demand gen, uh, we just saw over and over how uh, sales teams are looking to connect with prospects in a more meaningful, personal, mm-hmm. a, hu- a human way. Uh, and if you look at demand gen and sales now, personal, personalization, personalization, you know, yeah. is, is all of the, but personalization, it's not like, you know, Scott, hi, Scott, comma, oh, we got his first name in there. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> we saw you visited insert page URL. That's right. not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that really matters and it's very hard to do. Yet over and over, we're sending all these emails. There's all the stack, which is fine. We've got the sales loft and the outreach and the sixth sense and the, you know, and the CRM and 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 the you know the recorders and the analyzers and that's all fine and good. We need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we we'd still we would sit around and say, what are we going to send to this person who showed some interest? We can't get them off the fence. What we, we just had a great meeting with that VP of marketing. What can we send? That's going to be interesting to her or him. That's not just another poke, right? We're just always poking. Hey, hey, right. let me tell you about my features. And it's just, and so I realized, my gosh, we have entire meetings about what to send to somebody. It's like the minutia. And so uh, IntroSnap helps fix that. Uh, we provide the most personal touch that sales can make. The most personal touch. Mm-hmm. Wow, what would that be? Uh, it isn't Starbucks cards and a mug with your alma mater's logo on it. Sure. All right. And it's not a box of donuts and it's not another poke. Hey, don't you want to talk me to, to me about my features? Um, it is a donation offer. So uh, IntraSnap enables sales and marketing both to send to prospects a donation offer for them to pick the charity of their choice of their favorite charity we put up the money you pick Mm. the charity we give back together and we have a so we have a system and a process to do that for sales and marketing teams you create a link an intrasnap link and it's super fun because you send this to in an email or for a webinar or in a nurture Mm. or in a cadence or after a meeting and uh, the, the, what we find is that we are creating this personal touch 
they pick charities that you've never heard of. And hmm. it gets really cool. So you start to build a relationship. You humanize the process. So, for example, the other day, uh, you know, a CMO that one of our users told us about, he, he sent an IntraSnap link uh, to this CMO they were trying to reach. And, mm -hmm. the, and the, the person picked, uh, you know, this sort of obscure animal rescue in the Midwest sure. that, that you, we've never heard of, but it really matters a lot to them. And yeah. that's where, so, you know, so it's working really well. We're growing. Uh, we have awesome uh, logos and teams already using IntraSnap and the salespeople love it and the customers love it. It's different. Everybody wants to give back. Mm -hmm. And, and like local schools the other day, the, there was a VP of IT. He's like, oh, I can pick the school that my son goes to and you're going to put a hundred dollars toward their, their fund. Cause every school has a fund. Right. That's awesome. You've got me. Okay. This is cool. So you show your care. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful thing. So that's what, that's what we do. Very cool. Uh, and, and very unique concept. I, uh, so, so any charity I choose, if, if I were a, say a decision maker at a, you know, any profile company, I could, you know, I could sign up for this. My name's out there for, for getting network to, to sales folks who want to sell to me. Yeah. And then I can choose if I, you know, have a, a local charity or something like that, that that's not necessarily a big national one. I can, I can make that choice and have the money go towards. And is it always a flat amount, like a hundred dollars or is it, yeah, is it variable? Pick. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this rep can pick pretty much any amount. And so they pick, and then there's a landing page and experience is cool. Yeah. So then you arrive to the landing page, select your charity. Uh, and and what we find is that it's it's almost never the big brand name charities. Mm -hmm. It's always, you know, it's always these uh, what we would consider unknown, but very important to them. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's the beauty. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's the difference, you know. And uh, and that's what's fun. So we we're integrated with over a million charities, and there's a search box in the landing page. So you get to search and you, by any tab by the name or the town or whatever. We, uh, and it'll be in there. If it's, if it's a charity, it's in there. Very cool. Yeah. So from LinkedIn, it looks like you guys are a relatively small team at, you know, right now, have you guys raised capital? We're, we're, uh, we're bootstrapping. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's oh, yeah. even cooler. Oh yeah. Very nice. Yeah. We will, we will raise a seed round soon. Uh, we're growing got little logos on board and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, for me, you know, uh, I really wanted to prove it out at a certain level before raising capital. And it is freeing because you're not worried about what investors think and you can yeah. you know, go to town. And, and also the team we have on board, I have this fantastic, you know, co-founding team. Uh, you know, we're, we're all just doing it, you know, on, on, on stock and belief. Right. And yeah. we have, we have, I mean, we have enough capital to operate, but that's a beautiful thing. And the bonds, the bonds you build, and then the people who come in and sell and we're cracking the nut. And it's like, oh, we got another logo, another logo. Look, they're using, look, it's working. It's very, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I like the the concept of not, you know, it, it, right now the, it's the, the vision belongs to you guys and not the, the investor team, uh, at least for the moment, uh, you can get the kind of creative liberties and, and have full control of your destiny uh, for, for, for the time being. I love that. Um, you know, it's, one per, it's one important thing for sales, just on the topic of sort of what, you know, sales execs and their career and what the, 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 
the key there is that you know we you want it you want to be in a company if you are going to join a company if it's too if it if it's really early that can be good, but can also be a challenge because product market fit, right, is important. So that's essentially what we're trying to, what we've pretty much almost already gotten to in just a, in just a few short months. Um, right. But sometimes it takes even years for companies sure. to figure out their product market fit. And then there's the go-to-market fit, mm-hmm. um, um, which was actually coined, I believe, coined by uh, Tehi, who's a, who's a, um, partner at uh, storm ventures okay uh, yeah he has a great book called uh survival to thrival highly huh. recommend anybody reading that book survival to thrival like yeah do you go from surviving to actually thriving you need go to market fit and that's when the sales really gets easier and starts to kick in and 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 you you have a process and a system that's been figured out and you can replicate and accelerate so that's just a startup talk that's an important point to get to especially if you're a sales exec yeah, agreed. Especially in, you know in an early stage company. So, so what I'm understanding is, even if there's a product market fit from the from a startup standpoint to the the, the buying audience, you've got to still get to the point where you there's a fit in terms of how you're reaching those buyers and how you're consistently building pipeline and closing deals against those those customers or those buyers. Is that you know one way to think about it? Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And you know, you can go replicate that. That's the key. Replicate. Okay. Yeah. Repeatability. Repeatability is critical to really accelerate your sales process. And you don't, if you're an AE looking for your next thing, or you want to, you're looking at companies, which a lot of people are now. In fact, salespeople are very transient. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. Even when, whether times are bad or good or stable, there's like, I think the typical workforce is almost 20% people move every year. I think among sales, it's like 30. Mm. And, so, <laughs> and I'm, I imagine software sales is even possibly higher than that. I know it's, it is, it's crazy. It's, you know, I think they say right now, and this is, this is among sales leaders. I don't know about individual contributors, but like the average tenure of a VP of uh, VP, VP of sales in a SaaS company is something like 18 months, which absolutely blows my mind. That's the leader mm-hmm. of the people yeah. is only 18 months in before they're moving on to the next thing. Uh, yeah. You know, something I hope changes uh we'll see but i i don't know what the you know average tenure would be for an individual contributor maybe something around that two years at most uh it's a couple of years you yeah know, the market the market is super hot and there are two reasons one if you crush it everybody wants to steal you and mm-hmm. if, whether you're an ae a bdr or the vp yeah. uh oh you were ahead of you know if you were you were ahead of sales at you know, such and such company, a competitor in our space or something adjacent, please come over here and they'll start throwing money and stock at you. Uh, and then, or if you're not crushing it, you want to leave to go find some place you're going to crush it. Right? So <laughs> it's, it's this constant battle. It's like, whether you're doing bad or good, people leave. Yeah. It's so, it's such an interesting culture, but you know, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a roller coaster ride. Um, really quick question for you. So this, this I think will benefit the listeners greatly. So I, I have a lot of listeners that are either new, maybe like in the first 90 days of their role. Mm-hmm. And then I have another segment of listeners who are actually the first or second or third or fourth sales hire at an early stage company. Uh, so I'm curious how, uh, you know, how you guys went about getting your first customer and how you approached, you know, like setting up the startup to, you know, landing that first contract. I think that's a valuable lesson, whether you're in an early stage startup today 
or even if you're in a big company today, but you're just in a new role, a new territory, trying to go and get that first win. Um, that's actually the position I find myself in is I, you know, fairly recently started a new role and I am trying to rapidly go out and get that first victory so that then, you know, yeah. from there, once you break that seal, it just gets easier and easier. And yeah. I know that to be the case from previous roles, the faster you can get, uh, you know, a win under your belt, it, the, the easier it is to, to then unlock the other resources in an organization and, and you get the, you know, leadership, leadership's attention and things like that. Uh, so tell us about, and I think, you know, again, I think your lessons uh, from your, your, your current startup could, could teach mm -hmm. us a thing or two about how to rapidly show results. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And you do want to get, obviously, of course, we want to make money sooner, but you do want to get that if, if, if it takes six months or more to get a deal going, depending on some, some are faster than others, but it, it's painful for everybody involved. Uh, so how do you, so a couple things as a startup, like IntroSnap, uh, we are for, for our first uh, handful of customers back to the network, uh, half of them just or more came directly from my network uh, as some of those right out of Oracle and, oh, you know, Scott, you got a cool new thing. And I knew it solved a pain point. So I wasn't calling them saying, hey, buy, 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 I started a Ferrari dealership, buy a Ferrari. Okay, from you, Scott, I'll buy anything. Right. And it was like, I was, I knew I was also offering them something new and unique and that everybody has this pain, sending something personal to a customer to get engagement and get a meeting, big pain point for everybody. So it was also a genuine, and it's very easy to start with IntroSnap. They don't have to go through a buying cycle. It's you just start mm -hmm. at IntroSnap.com. But nonetheless, I tap my network. Number one, tap the network. Now, hopefully if you, so, if, but if you're new to a role, but maybe you have some customers in a similar space, you could also call them. So call your, any customers you had a good rapport with from other companies, start there. Hey, I want to get your thoughts on this. Don't be salesy. I want to get your thoughts on this. I started a new thing. Give me five minutes. You got 10 minutes. And if you can, if you're convincing on the phone, they might even help start a cycle or introduce you to somebody else. Whatever your network is, call or talk to everybody. Everybody knows somebody and it doesn't mm -hmm. take a hundred conversations. Even if you get five conversations, something will come of it. Right. So that's the thing. And then outside of you, but then the network runs thin pretty quickly for a lot of people. Um, so then how do you get the next ones? Right. Uh, you've got to go after the right targets, not the wrong ones. It's so easy to chase the wrong ones because it came inbound or you're sure that's an ICP or you're, or maybe it is the network. Gosh, you know, she runs marketing at this place. I'm sure and just go, spend too much time on it. And if you spend too much time on it, you're not spending time on other things. So get a mm -hmm. good target, uh, be, be, be understanding of, of, of a good, what a good target smells like and looks like. Uh, and then if you're doing outbound, you gotta be tenacious. Mm -hmm. You've gotta do not give up until they give you a hard no. And uh, in fact, that's a good lesson. Uh, uh, like. Um, Steli Effie, if you're familiar with Steli Effie with clothes, he's been a big sort of, you know, proponent of this kind of thing. Like do not, until they tell you no, keep going. And, right. and then call, like you got to get sales, call, 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 mm -hmm. email and call. I mean, you know, cold calling is tough, but you know, you can make 10 calls every morning. You don't have to make a, you don't have to spend five hours at it. Call, make 10, tell yourself, I'm going to be a salesperson. I'm going to kick ass here. Make 10 calls, make 10 calls every morning. 10. Yeah. It, right? It's, and, so, and it's something, something will happen. 
it's funny how many, uh, you know, kind of younger professionals ask me, you know, how can I get more pipeline? How can I close more deals? How do I get more traction? How do I get leadership to, to, to pay attention to me and, and promote me into the next thing? And as simple as it sounds, and I, you know, look, I realize it's not a complete silver bullet all the time, but I think a good starting point, if you're looking at improving your craft is exactly what you're saying, make 10 calls a day and commit to it get into a habit of doing it. And I'm not even saying you like, like, even if you don't get anybody on the phone, uh, try to leave 10 voicemails if you can. Yeah. Uh, that just helps you sharpen up your, your very quick pitch and, you know, keep right. it short, point somebody to, to an email or an email that you sent them. And that's, that's all you, you know, that's it. That's going to help you dial in your, your, your craft. It's going to help you dial in your pitch and it's just going to make you more confident. So once you do get someone on the phone, uh, it's going to book and then the rest is going to be history. So it, it is, it you is, have to, you have to outwork your peers is the yeah. answer. So the fact and, is, look, a lot of salespeople, uh, start to sort of, you know, the, the, there, there's a sales is part people, part craft and a lot of sweat. And mm -hmm. these days in a sales process and a, in a product, the types of products that are being sold. Uh, so much of it comes down to the process and just the tenacity. And are you the person in front of the customer or is it the other guy? Right. right. Or girl. And right. And then, you know, that's just, you got to get up in the morning and don't fart around until 9.30. Get up and do, go yeah. out. You want to show up at the end of the month or end of the quarter? How on earth did you do that? Probably just because you were the one doing the work. Yep. Honestly, you know, and you you didn't give up and say, look, sales ebbs and flows. Oh, you know, maybe I'll take that afternoon off. You know, I'm working remotely like everybody. That's fine. But that afternoon off is going to show up in a month. You don't have anything in the pipe. Right. Part of it, and that's like, God, you want to get attention? Crush the work. Everyone will be able to tell. And then, especially with the tools, if you're using like outbound tools like Sales Loft or Outreach, where the mm -hmm. calls are tracked, yeah. You know, or, or if you're not tracked, just log them, log them, log email traffic. They look at your email traffic these days. Everything's being logged. All your calls are being recorded by Gong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. they will see your activity, and then oh, they yeah. will see the hey, I got another lead. How'd you get another lead? I called them, called them, emailed them, emailed. I I've you know, banged the door down. That's the person they want to promote, right? Because they're not going to promote you if you don't, they only promote crushers. That's yeah. the reality because they want you to go replicate what you're doing. So if they say, okay, we're going to make you a manager of four reps, they bring in four mm -hmm. new reps. They don't really want you for your management skills. They want you to replicate your crushing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what they want. Whatever you're doing, you tell those four people to do it and show them how to do it. Right. But if you're not crushing, why would they, why would they promote you? Right. And it's I think, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, uh, again, getting in the habit of doing, even if it's just 10 calls a day, yeah. uh, what will happen when you can master that, or at least get into that positive habit is then other habits start to develop on top of that. So one yeah. of them is just, you know, being consistent with follow-ups for active deal cycles. That's a skill set that that is developed as you get deeper into the, you know, the, the individual contributor or just selling profession is how to be consistent and thorough in follow-ups, how to then, you know, go and start networking within an organization beyond just your primary point of contact. Like these are other skill sets that come, I think, after you've taken that first big step, which is just consistently make calls. Call uh, and it, Mm -hmm. It gets mid, so much mid, easier. So 
mid funnel, mid deal is another great, it sounds like, well, of course I'm, no, but you'd be surprised. I worked with so many reps where we would be late in the cycle, even at, at like pricing and negotiations. And we know that the competitors super cutthroat in SaaS and there's, everyone's got 10 competitors and they're all undercutting each other because the margins are big and they're like, forget it. We want the logo. They'll, they'll eat the, they'll eat the deal for the logo because they right. need to go raise money and they want to do PR and blah, 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 top line revenue. But so there's this going on mm-hmm. and I'd be like, so, so I, I can remember multiple times I'd be like, so we've got to get that person. We got to talk to them now. We sent them pricing. They haven't talked to us for two days or we've got to get this answer so we can blah, blah, blah. Well, I dropped him an email, call them now. Like literally 4.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday, we need an answer. And so many reps would be like, just call them. I'm not kidding. You're like, yeah, you pick up the phone. We've been talking to this person for three months. This deal is, we're going to either win or lose it in a week. And, and what yeah. happens invariably, it's, it's not that they don't want to talk to you. It's just that they're, they think they're, they think they have something else more important to do. Right. Right. You, you call them and they often actually appreciate it. The call goes well. And then the rep is so pumped. I got a, we had a great conversation. We got the answers. It turns out mm-hmm. he's totally on board. I think we're going to win. He's just been busy with it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And it goes like, stop tiptoeing, you know, yeah. aggr- you know be aggressive. This, uh, this happened to me probably about 18 months ago. I was working on a, a pretty decent sized opportunity, big home services company. And my, you know, primary contact just went quiet. She wasn't, she wasn't responding to my emails. I knew there was a fit. I knew there had been interest at one point. And I just kept emailing and emailing for weeks and weeks and weeks and I don't know why. Yeah. So that's the funny thing about being a rep is sometimes it's easy to get rusty on things or, you, you, you know, again, it all comes down to being consistent and building good habits and then maintaining those habits, which is also hard. Uh, and so for whatever reason, I just kind of did, didn't think, you know, Hey, maybe I should pick up the phone and actually call her. Yeah. Um, I've sent her three or four emails. Nothing's landing, you know, no, no reply back. Maybe we lost this. Maybe they went to the competitor and she just doesn't care to respond anymore. So I realized I had her cell number. I just called her, uh, you know, out of the blue and she picks right up and says, no, no, we're still moving. We're still planning to move forward. We just had, uh, you know, another project that we had to wrap up first, but as soon as that's, yeah, as soon as that's wrapped up, you'll have my full attention. So just busy and behind man, busy and behind. Have you seen people's calendars? It's insane. Insane. And I spent, you know, however many weeks, in my own head saying, Oh man, I lost that one. What happened? Who got right. in there and, beat and won that one? And- if I would have just called from the get-go versus stressing myself out and trying to craft for, you know, follow-up emails that were tactful, I, I would have known weeks ahead and wouldn't have had to lose any sleep over it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So just call uh, is, is, or text, like, just do it. If you're in, if you're in cycle or, or, or cold, look, you know, you know, if you can get them to pick up, it's, it's huge. So, or, you know, is so anyway, I would say tenacity, tenacity pays it's whatever, however you do it, just be tenacious. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, uh, one thing I had this great conversation one time with this, uh, actually I, I used to sell social media uh, information and data, uh, Twitter analysis, literally essentially Twitter analysis and other social analysis data, uh, and, and related marketing. Um, and one of my customers was literally mm-hmm. was, uh, the FBI <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and DARPA, the defense. Wow, the defense research agency. Oh yeah, 
So literally, I'm talking with this guy at DARPA who was running this massive program, and he was talking about how he and his buddies, they were all nerds. He was like a PhD. It's very hard for them to, to talk to people. So in a bar, they'd make it say, you got to go talk to that person. They would pick and they'd point. And you, now it's your turn. They pick who you're going to go talk to, and you had to go do it. And the thing was, it didn't matter if you crashed and burned because it was a setup anyway. It was all for the gag, right? Mm-hmm. So that took off the pressure. Right? Yeah. It's like, you go, go talk to that person. Well, it's just the guy's thing. If I crash and burn, they're all watching. It's just for a laugh. So, right. they, in course, you know, hey, get out of my face. No, 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 no. And then next thing you know, yeah, sure. And they have a conversation. He gets a phone number. So, you know, so huh. we were chatting about this and I thought sales is the same way. And it struck me, you, it's much easier if you, what, what you don't, you don't need to really try to get a yes don't go for, mm-hmm. oh, cause that's very, that's very hard to do. That's yep. very, that's a huge, it's too big of a barrier. That's the only reason people don't make phone calls or even send another email is because they pre-assume it's going to be a no. They can't, it's too hard to get a yes. And if a goal is too hard, you don't want to do it. So what you do mm-hmm. is you realize you don't need to increase your yes rate. You need to increase your no rate. Yeah. That's a good just way to look at it. Just get more no's. Just get more no's. <laughs> if you get 10 no's a day and make a, a, an 11th call, okay, here's what we do. What are you, is this a pain point? Yes, it is actually. Oh, oh it is. Right. Actually, let the yes be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. flips the whole thing upside down. So don't, so increase your no rate and the yeses will come. This is, uh, this is really timely. I was having a conversation with a colleague about uh, approaches and, and, you know, we were, we were specifically talking about reps who are out there. So, so for, as, as kind of a concrete example, let's say you're at a software company and there's a, a minimum threshold for, for what the cost is to get started with your platform or your product. Um, we were, you know, talking about how there's reps out there that are trying to go and, and get yeses from, from companies that aren't a good fit. And that likely don't have the budget to even spend on the minimum threshold to get started on a software and rather than, you know, focusing on trying to disqualify all the companies that come inbound or all the companies in the, in the account book that probably can't spend the minimum threshold, uh, it's probably a better approach to, to, like you're saying, you know, go and try to get as many no's as you can, you know, check them off the list. Hey, they're too small. They're not going to be able to spend our minimum threshold. Uh, and then putting the focus into what are the five accounts in my book that, you know, can not only spend the threshold, but can spend five, 10 X the threshold per year. Yeah. Uh, and how do we get the yeses from those ones and, and, you know, check off or disqualify the ones that, that weren't going to be a good fit anyway, uh, both from a customer standpoint and, you know, from a spin standpoint. And so I think it is interesting to change your mindset in that way and, and to stop thinking, and this, this didn't actually happen for me until relatively recently. I had a manager that said your job as a seller isn't to, isn't to go for the yeses. It isn't to try to go and make it happen with every account in your account book. It's to go and sift through and disqualify the ones that are never going to be an opportunity uh, and sort through the ones that, that just, you know, we need to get out of the, you know, push out of the, the pipeline and focus on the ones that are going to really move the needle in the business. So I, I love that. I think that's a really interesting concept and it's a huge yeah. mindset shift for most people because, you know, a lot of people come into this industry thinking about, okay, how can we boil the ocean and capture as much as we can? It's not necessarily that way. You, you know, you get to where you're going from turning away the, the bad partnership 
opportunities and, and like you said, saying no or, or getting to know as quickly as you can uh, and then sifting through and finding those few yeses that are going to really change your life. Yeah, the big the big ones, especially in, like if you're selling a, a you know a, a platform or a service that is, can can be big dollars, bringing in one big logo, even per year that's like a you know a million dollar ARR deal. It's like a game changer, you know, uh, a game changer for your for your career, for you mm-hmm. inside the company, for the revenue of the company, right? Yeah. But if you bring if you bring in four you know, if you bring in four $50,000 deals, Hey, that's nice. But the problem is those $50,000 deals can take just as long sometimes as, right. as, as the million dollar deal, which seems absurd. But the problem is the reason the $50,000 one is taking so long is because it's a lot of money for them. Mm-hmm. And they still have all the same questions. Is this going to work in our environment? I have to get 18 people to say, yes. Do we have the money? How do we implement? And then right. distract, I'm distracted now on other things. And it's like, how come this is so hard? It's because that was a big deal for them and they're not very sophisticated buyers or whatever. You could have been focused on getting a couple of $1 million deals in and just crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I used to, I used to, you know, I, I mean, I tell you know, right now, interest now for a small team, but in my teams in the past, especially even this is what, this is an ethos that we'll keep here, but um, our pricing is a little bit different, but it's more pay as you go. But the, the, you know, I would, I would look at the, Either they're in their whole, they're, look at their pipe. And one of the problems is in sales, and you got to be careful about this as a rep, uh, even BDR, is I am going to chase all of them. And uh, I am, especially if you're one of those super confident types, I'm sure I can win all of them. I can win them over. I'm a great salesperson. Hey, that's a good attitude to have. But right. be careful because you're not going to win all of them. Half of them are probably not qualified. And I had the same problem. I was, I always thought I could win over everybody. Well, why can't I? I saw the greatest product and they need it, I'm sure. It just turns out not every company is going to ever be a buyer and you can spin your wheels for months on end. So uh, go after the, you know, fish for whales, not for minnows. Because, uh, yeah. you know, one whale f- fills a ship, you know, a minnow fills a bucket and it takes just as long. And uh, like if you, if you close a $1 million deal, that's 20. deals, 20, right? It's like, oh yeah, boy, that's, you know, so that's the way to go. Of course, you got to close, you know, you got to close the midsize ones along the way, but just be be ready to weed them out uh, uh, because yeah, it's a, it's a time sink. Another interesting phenomenon with that is, you know, you have the the $50,000 a year customer is going to demand a lot more from your post-sale team, your, your customer success team or your fulfillment team. They're going to demand a lot more. Yeah. That's uh, always been so interesting to me is I've, you know, closed some larger size deals and those bigger customers, you know, they, they don't, they, they, they have, you know, their own level of demand for resources but it's not in the same way that sometimes those smaller ones are, because again, to your point there, it represents a bigger investment. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're a mid-sized brand that's spending $50,000 a year, you've got to make sure you're getting some kind of return on that. And it's harder to deliver a return uh, at that level too, for most companies. Whereas you have these, you know, big multi, uh, you know, million dollar a year customers or agreements that sometimes don't require as much attention or resources because they're, you know, they're big beastly companies that have plenty of their own resources and, you know, they just needed a solution to a problem. So it's very interesting. Uh, and I, yeah, I love the, the approach and the mindset. 
I would say, you know, one thing for the sales reps, um, this is the part of the problem, why we chase that all of them is because it's, we're, we know we're being watched, A, and we have time pressure. This is one of the big problems with the software sales. There's just an insatiable appetite for more revenue always now. <laughs> you know, yep. it's never good enough. It's, a, it's, it's really a disease almost. And so uh, we just, we're, it's greed. We have to get richer. I mean, literally, it's, we have to get richer. We have to increase the, the value of our stock. We are in business to return money to stockholders and the biggest return is better. And, uh, and so therefore, where's the more money now? But the problem is that creates a very unhealthy uh, time pressure and tension mm-hmm. and uh, a, a sense of urgency, but also more like a franticness. Uh, and you know, end of quarter, what are you doing this mm-hmm. quarter? And so salespeople, you gotta be careful to, because that can put you into a frenzy where it's, I got to, I don't know, I got to get my, my deal going <laughs> and I got to, um, what am I going to do this quarter? So then you start chasing yep. everything and, and that's not healthy. You got to, you got to, yeah, you got to work hard and be, have a sense of urgency for sure. But you got to mm-hmm. do it smartly. So you got to be careful. And then what happens is you get a lead and I've certainly been guilty of this where you, your gut feeling tells you that this is just not going to work. The first right. meeting didn't go, didn't go well. They're weird for some reason it's not a fit for some reason. They have a competitor. What are we going to try to extricate that competitor? They just said they're happy with them, whatever. Oh, we can extricate right. them. No, you can't. And so yeah. what the problem is, it's very hard to tell the head of demand gen in the forecast meeting and the head of sales in the forecast meeting every Monday, uh, Scott, you had those two inbound uh, last week. How did it go? Uh, I decided to close loss them or just, just close them, whatever the setting is because they were not a good fit. Especially if you're a new rep without a lot of without a lot of proof points where they can go, well, you know, this person knows what they're doing, so we'll trust them. Very hard to do because demand then like, really? How do you know? And they're like, geez, we gave him a lead and now he's he just closed, lost it, and after two calls, not an easy <laughs> thing to do. Everybody also yeah. always wants to say, Oh, it's good, it's going well. I got another call. Good, good, good. You mm-hmm. know, all this, all this glad handing. Yep. So I would say advice yeah. to reps is stick to your guns. If your gut feeling tells you this is going to be weird or bad, or it's not a good fit, they're going to be a scramble or run around, mm-hmm. maybe a couple of calls, but then you got to go with your gut and you got to put it, put it aside, make a good reason, and then move on to the good, to the good deals, or you'll spin your wheels just because you're afraid to uh, look like you're just, you know, disqualifying too easily. Oh, that's great. Management no, that's- pressure. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and, and prospects can smell it too. You know, they can smell when, when you're, you know, quote unquote desperate or urgent or too urgent, or that it's no longer about them and solving their problems. And it's about, you know, you making sure that, you know, you don't have to have a hard conversation with your manager at the end of the quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So awesome. So, um, t- tell, uh, yeah, I'm curious, any other insights uh, from, you know, kind of building your team from the ground up for, for IntroSnap, anything else, any other learnings that you could pass on to, to us folks that, that are down here on the front lines? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the things that, so for, you know, for IntroSnap, we're selling to heads of sales and heads of marketing. Uh, and it's interesting because IntroSnap, the, one of the, beauties of it that's for having so much fun is that we have like next to no sales cycle. It's the most incredible product. 
We mm. show it. We literally have had multiple calls with a VP of sales or a VP of marketing for a half an hour first call, unknown, never met them before. Uh, and 25 minutes into it, they say, okay, we're doing this. We're in. How do we start? Yeah. That's it. Like 25 minute sales cycle. Wow. Because it, it's so easy. Like introsnap.com. There's not even a SaaS license. You just go start using it. You can set up a team. There's no upfront cost. And That's cool. Everybody wants the something personal to send and they're dying for something better for their team to send. And who doesn't want to send donations because it makes everyone feel good. Right. Relation, relationship building. And so it's a little bit different, honestly. <laughs> the way we sell is uh, refreshingly different, to be honest with you, than the six month, you know, sales cycle for a big SaaS product. Mm. So my sales, you know, you know, uh, uh, profile, you know, it's probably a little different. Sure. Uh, sure. But, but um, the, the generally, you know, you, you, you the, the bottom, the, the, the difference, the difference comes out to be the difference between the reps who crush it and the reps who don't. It's, it's not that you're a great people person and the other person's not great with people. Right. Most, most salespeople you're going to hire are pretty good at talking to people. Maybe not amazing. Maybe they're a little shy. Maybe they're not as, but generally these days with selling these products, it's not the days of the swashbuckling salesperson with a drink in their, <laughs> a drink in their hand, telling jokes at the bar, you yeah. know, and patting the guy on the back on the golf course. That's like, that's not how it works anymore. Right. And right. It's sales process and it's complicated and you're over zoom and you hardly even meet these people anymore. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that's going to change. Um, and so, it's not about who's that person. It's about who's the most organized, mm -hmm. who, who's looking at their CRM and looking at their to-do list and their task list and their ticklers and saying, "Okay, tomorrow, I'm doing this, 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 and this." And you get up and you do it. And I've got ten numbers to call. I'm going to start calling at nine o'clock, and I make my ten calls, and then I do my emails, and then I follow up, and then I'm going to think about the slides for next week's meeting, and I, and I organize with my the organization very important, and and then number beyond that, it's then who actually does the work, tenacity. So this sort of plays into the traits that I look for. You got to be organized. You got to be pretty smart because what we do is you know not, what we do is center steps. Not actually, it's wonderfully simple, but the way you right. have to describe, you have to still understand the business. You have to be able to talk the talk. Yeah, um, absolutely. You have to, you have to be tenacious. Tenacity pays, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, 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 the only thing that is omnipotent is tenacity, right? Persistence is omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Everything else is noise. Uh, and so, be organized, do the work, and. And, and then outside of that, it's, it's uh, you know, asking for the order. Don't be, you know, sort of call them on that Thursday, ask for the, or how's it going? Get in front of them, yeah. however, whatever it takes, right? Um, those are the, those are the things. And then leverage the rest of your org as much as you can. Don't be shy mm -hmm. to ask. I, I need another meeting with that SC. I'm sorry, Mr. SC. I need to ask you some more questions. Hey, I need more slides. I need a slide on this. Hey, is this feature on the roadmap? Do we have the roadmap? Uh, one thing yeah. about this being in sales is management expects you to shake the tree because mm -hmm. you're on the front. You are on the front lines. Right? So what you do and say to the customer, you're representing the whole company. Yeah. In fact, that's... in fact, literally an entire sorry, but an entire company's job basically is to support sales. Mm -hmm. 
because they're on the front line. And I'm not saying like, oh, sales are better, but just that's literally the, it's like an army. The whole back end of the army is just to support the front. And so they, they're expecting you to say, but hey, we need more ammo. We need more guys. We need more trenches. Mm-hmm. We need whatever it is, you know, and the ones that the ones that speak up are the ones that get fed. That that uh, mindset or that skill set, whatever you want to call it, it took me way too long to figure out. And when that clicked in, everything in my career changed because yeah. for the longest time in my career, I thought more like a lone wolf. I didn't. I didn't feel like I was entitled to ask for help from leadership or technical folks on the team. And I just kind of went about my business thinking, no, I got to muscle all these deals over the line myself. And that's what a true salesperson does. That was absolutely a flawed way of thinking about it. And the day that I decided that I am a facilitator, I'm a, you know, some people call it a quarterback. If you're, you know, into the sports analogy, I am the the hub here for getting things done on behalf of the prospect, whether that's asking your CEO to come to your next meeting, or like you said, bringing in more technical expertise, having multiple meetings, getting, you know, delegating that work out to the experts. Uh, Because I don't know that, I don't believe that, you know, salespeople have to be the, the foremost expert on everything, but you do need to know how to go and track down that expertise and bring it in with you to the next conversation or, you know, align those resources on behalf of your prospect. So that is a, you know, immensely important skill from my perspective and one that, you know, especially in, you know, kind of my last couple of roles where I've implemented that as coming in the door and saying, all right, guys, time to, to, to get to work. (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go away. So if I need something from you, you're not going to be rid of me uh, until I get it, because this is, uh, this is in order to win this deal. And if we want to win this deal, we, we have to show this prospect that we have stacks of people lined up to assist with solving this problem. That's really what it comes down to. You know, you, you want to win more deals, show the prospect that, like you said, you're organized, you're able to align resources and rally your company behind their problems yeah. and be tenacious. Stop, you know, don't stop asking for what you need. Give, get, because uh, this is another skill set that I had to improve a lot over the last several years was, okay, I can do that. But in order to do that, I'm going to need this from you. Uh, and then that's kind of the, the waltz all the way until that, that signature on the contract. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's right. So it's, you've touched on a good point, like the lone wolf. Uh, SaaS sales, again, if you're in a relatively complex product, you know, in modern, some modern product, it is not easy. It's complicated. You, mm-hmm. In fact, you cannot do well. Once in a while, there'll be the lone wolf who just has it figured out and they're very good and they understand the product and they'll close deals on their own. And that's okay, fine. But that's like the 1%. Basically, right. don't, don't try to... Because what happens is salespeople love to show off. <laughs> we want to, we, yep. it's, like, it's like we want to come home with the deer over our shoulder and feed the family. Like, yeah, look mm-hmm. what I got. I took this deer down by myself. And it's, so everyone pats us on the back or whatever, and then puts us up on a pedestal. That's just dumb when it comes to yeah. sales. You got to say, man, I do not, not only should you not do it yourself, you don't even try. Like you can't, you should not do it yourself. You are your job is to actually to marshal the resources, to talk the tech, to talk the pricing, to talk about their problems, to bring in your head of director of demand gen, to talk to this head of marketing about, to talk their lingo, uh, bring in, hell, the CEO if you have to, right. whatever it takes. And if it's a deal that's viable and that's sizable or whatever the right, you know, 
they can't say no to you. They, they, you know, and if they do, you just go to your superiors and go, I need this person. Who else can fill in? Because I need them for this deal. The deals are worth everything. Do mm-hmm. not be a lone wolf. Go put your job is almost to put a team together for every call. Yep. You know, that's literally almost what it is. You don't have to know everything. You're not going to ever know everything. And don't try to be, there was a, a I don't know if you know, uh, uh, we had a great head of enablement. Uh, his name is at Oracle. His name is uh, Roderick Jefferson. Hmm. Uh, super smart guy. He was, he was a, one of the best execs at Oracle Marketing Cloud. He just actually just released a book called um, Enablement, Sales Enablement 3.0. Wow. He's like, right. he wrote, he literally wrote the book. He's the guy, super guy. <laughs> and uh, he, I walked into Oracle Marketing Cloud my first day and he was there, which I thought was great. He was already there, like greeting us and like ready to get us going. And, you know, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people. And he was, he, and I remember the very first day he said, you win as a team and you lose as a team. Mm-hmm. And he said that yeah. like 10 times a month. <laughs> you win as a team, you lose as a team. And I had heard it before, but until Roderick really drew, and especially in a place like Oracle, even any site, you, you, you literally, you have to be able to, to do that. Yeah. And, and the good thing with that is as an AE, when you win as a team, everyone feels great around you. Yeah. We, we closed that deal together. So the SC and the VP who helped and the, the, the CS team who helped and the, whoever, the engineer who, who finished the feature on time and whatever it is, um, and the CFO who got on the phone and negotiated the, we won this deal. And then, mm-hmm. but the fact is everybody knows that the AE is in the front of that. So you're like this, you become like this glowing person who helped close this half a million dollar deal and they were a part of it. If they hear right. about a deal secondary, hey, you know, um, you know, Lisa closed this deal. Hey, that's awesome. Woo! It's like if yeah. you watch it, if you watch a football game get won, yay, my team won the seven beer. <laughs> but if you win the if you're on the field, you feel right. it's a whole, whole different thing, right? Totally. So part of it is, and that's when you get raised up, like, and then people start talking about you and, and they see you in action, right? Because a lot of what we do is just, it's us on a laptop and us on a Zoom and us on a discovery call. But when you bring in a team over four months and close the big deal, they saw you in action. And that's when they really start to understand you, right? And you'll have group meetings and you run the group meeting and they're like, man, this, this person's really got it going. And then they, that's how they really see you in action. Very important. Um, yeah. And then versus versus uh, the lone wolf, or I used to call it the lone ranger. Uh, and you had a good lead and you were talking about the deal for months and you didn't really marshal any resources because you kept saying how good it was going. And then it, you lose the deal. And everyone's like, well, what happened? Yeah. Uh, well, well, did you bring in the CEO? What about the, did you bring in the CS person? Did you, the CS person knows the person, you know, then you look stupid. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. worse. That's terrible. But if you lose the deal together, if you brought in all the right resources and you still don't win it and everybody's trying, nobody's going to blame you because they yeah. were all there. They were all there too. Right? Very important. Yeah. Win as a team, lose as a team. Yeah. Because if you lose as a team, no one's going to blame you. If you win as a team, everyone thinks you're a star. Yeah. And they saw, they saw they, it's great. It's a win-win for you. Right. Um, and the fact is you really can't win big deals without the help anyway. So, but just, you've got to go in and get everybody involved that you can. And it's just fun because then you're working yeah. with your, pe- your peers and you're fighting the battle together, but you have to, you have to do that that way. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott, we're, uh, we're here at time. How can my listeners get in touch with you? Uh, uh, Scott 
dot milliner, M-I-L-E-N-E-R, at introsnap.com. Awesome. Uh, and honestly, the best way is just to go to introsnap.com. And, and, and honestly, you can just try it out. Uh, try out our service. We also have a form there. We'll get you whatever if you want to contact us. Uh, it's free to start. Anybody, if you want to be able to, to have a really cool thing to send to any prospect that's in your funnel to get more engagement and get them off the fence, a donation offer via IntroSnap is working. It's, it's a great solution and you have no upfront costs. So you can log in, you, yeah. can send, you can send a request today free and only if they accept your donation do you then pay, but in which case your company will expense it because of course you got action with the prospect. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Right. So you don't pay up front. And so, the, oh, you got action with that prospect? Yeah. How'd you do it? Well, I gave him this donation offer, and, but but I need $110 now. So sure, of course. Right. So it's super yeah. cool. Super cool. So I would recommend just give it a whirl. Uh, you can just sign up and start using it because you just know SaaS needed. So that's just another good thing to try out. Yeah. Such a creative concept. I love it. Uh, definitely check out introsnap.com. Scott, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, you shared some awesome insights and wisdom for, for the, the listeners and uh, look forward to having you back sometime. Thanks, Jesse. This was a lot of fun. Uh, good luck to you and let's talk soon. 